3: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. And Rob, I'm going to open the show with a big thanks to the listeners. Uh, I asked a few days ago, a few episodes ago, to leave some... If you could leave some reviews, that would be very nice. And we've had some really nice reviews come in. So please do that more often. If you like the show, please... uh, Give us a nice rating on all your audio platforms. Comment on YouTube, all of this stuff. I'll do that, like all that spiel in a bit. But a big thanks to those who have. And we would love to hear more of your thoughts. Even if they're negative, please bring them. But always give us a five-star rating. Thank you very much. Uh, Rob, (laughs) how's it going? Uh, 2-2 with Tottenham at the best stadium in the world. Yay, we said, didn't we? Before the game, we'd
4: take a point. And here we are after the game. And you know what, Scott? I don't think we needed to take a point. I think the three points were there for us. So we're going to chat about some of that today. Some, of, Unfortunately, again, about some of Man United's misgivings. Yes, they're tied. Yes, they're fatigued, Yes, it's the end of the season. But that's the same for everyone, isn't it? Um, Arguably not.
3: Arguably not, right? So just we've (laughs) we've played three thousand games this season. I understand. Just so so you guys, uh, right? So we came in to start recording the show today. Preamble, all this stuff. Rob's angry. I'm, I'm chill, right? I'll put, I'll put this to you. Newcastle have played forty games in all competitions this season. Man United played fifty-five, right? Yes, the second half against Spurs was awful. We'll talk Mm. about it in a bit, but some context for you. I was actually expecting United to lose that game because I knew Spurs would turn up at some point in the game after they lost Mm 6-1. My issue is I've seen United a lot of times before this season go into games at top nine rivals, away at top nine rivals, and shrivel. And that was what I was expecting again. Turns out they had a, a decent first half added to that shriveling second half. Uh, and you know, 2 2, grand scheme of things, is it's a decent result, they shouldn't have let it get to that point. Uh, but I'm zen about it, Rob. You're gonna sound off your angry <laughs> yeah, everyone knows. I always say, don't get too
4: high, don't get too low. And I think at this part of the season, it is about stage managing results. And you know, a draw at Tottenham Hotspur on paper before the game is certainly not a bad result, but. And the but is quite significant. You were massively in control of this game for 60 minutes. Tottenham looked like the Tottenham that we've seen sack their manager and then sack their next interim manager and then completely capitulate against other teams, you know, getting hammered the other day. Five 0 down against Newcastle after 20-odd minutes. And that Spurs was there yesterday, Scott, like at the start of the game. And Man United could have put them away. And it wasn't about... Not scoring goals because at two 0 you can still control the game, and the bit that annoys me, and we say, we say this, on our on our uh, work group, uh, our producer Harry, who is an Arsenal fan, obviously suffering at the moment as an Arsenal fan coming into the run in, said, "Oh, the show needs to be called Man United bottled it," and he's right.
3: Well, they did. did. Yeah, they did. They did
4: bottle it, and, and, and I think the thing is, is that I, I always say that when we talk about players bottling it in inverted commas. I don't like going down that route. It's kind of regressive. It doesn't really make sense. But yesterday for 30 minutes, when the substitutes happened, Man United bottled it, specifically two or three certain players, I think. And I think that's an issue. And Eric Ten Hag ended the day yesterday after defending his players after the game, saying it's a decent result, like you did there, Scott. In it is a decent result. He ended it by saying, yeah, some of my players thought 90% was good enough today. Now, to me, that is the... That's what's being said in the dressing room, right? It doesn't matter with the rest of the, the comments from the manager. That's the main thing. And that's how I felt. Players out there, it, it, yeah, you've played so many games this season. Well done, lads. You all earn 200 grand a week. Get on with it for a little bit. You know, just get through it. You know, find a way. So I'm a little bit animated about Scott. I'm not going to say I'm angry or upset about it. Because you can fix it in the next game, but the next game's a tough one against Aston Villa.
3: Aston Villa are the form team in the league, or they were anyway. We're gonna check the form table at the start of the week before this round of fixtures. Um now this is the thing. This is why I'm not gonna get too angry about it, is because, like I said, I went into that game expecting United to lose mm. like really awful, severe away kind of performance because Spurs were the this wounded animal who have some good players. They have Harry Kane. We'll talk about him later, I'm sure. And he started to dictate the game in the second half. He really started to drop off and find space and United allowed him to. But why I'm not so upset about it is because A, I knew that would happen. Mm. I wasn't surprised to see it happen. And B, I take comfort in the fact that ten Hag, ten Hag knows it's happening. And the fact that he's come out and said, some of my players think 90% is enough. Tells me that he recognizes the same issues that you and I recognize, and yeah. probably you recognize as a listener as well. Now, and he some of his signings haven't been great. Well, Rob wants to talk about Malassia today. Fair point. However, when Ten Hag came in, the first thing he did was, "Oh, we need we need a new midfield," <laughs> and he signed Casemiro. Came late, obviously. He wanted another player. We know, we all know who that. Is mm-hmm. he signed Christian Eriksen pretty soon? That midfield of Bruno, Ericsson, and Casemiro, when they've started together, still hasn't lost a game. Now, we know that underneath that, there is not enough, there's way too much of a gap in quality. And also, we know that Christian Ericsson, you know, isn't, he's not as defensively apt as maybe another midfielder that you could get. So you you are inevitably going to leave spaces, but they do control games, and they controlled the game in the first half Mm. with those three in the middle uh quite well. i uh, you know what Rob I'll I'll pass to you but I'm not like I say I thought that would happen in some capacity so a draw isn't a terrible result. They should have won. They absolutely should have. But it's just it's a long it's a long-term fix here. You're not going to do it in a few months.
4: Completely and I and I and I sing from that song sheet 100% is that this is a process and I think the manager recognizes it. I trust Eric Tenaha completely. Um I think the most important thing is this, Scott, as well. We also have to remember that as, as uh, experienced as Eric ten Hag is and has been obviously in the Dutch leagues and his time obviously in Germany as well managing, um, he's still also inexperienced to some of these situations. So like, I think last night he tried to close the game down because he recognised that maybe United were a little bit gassed, they a little bit tired. He tried to slow things down and control it. And really what Man United probably should have done is just soaked it up a little bit more, kept the ball and got Rashford going in transition because Rashford had everything he needed last night to score again. It's just that as soon as Ericsson left the football pitch, Manchester United went completely loopy, completely loopy. The midfield collapsed. We're going to talk a little bit about Malasia's performance as well, but I also really want to talk about Fred because I, think, I, I do think that when someone is that inconsistent, there's a problem there. <laughs> Almost like you can't, you can't make that leap of faith to bring him on in in that kind of game. And I think this is where the manager has to also think on his feet, because he's learning game by game. We know Eric Ten Hag's looking at this. I said to you again off camera, while he was at the touchline, you could see at the end of the game, his face was like screwed up and he was like this. And you can tell what he's thinking, because we're all thinking it too. You're not so upset about it, and I'm not really upset about it. But I'm frustrated because I look at that and I think to myself, this is well within your capabilities. This isn't really about tiredness. This isn't really about... It's about fecklessness. It's about going on a football pitch to just do your job. So I think if Fred had done his job last night, you win this game. I think if Malassi goes and does his job last night, you win this game. But you can't win games like this. Like, there's a reason why Sevilla scored five goals against you. All goals were, f- were really bad and you gave that game away, you know, in two legs. If That's how it felt to me last night. One hour, you were really good. 30 minutes, you looked like a relegation team. You were that bad. So that balancing point must be found somehow in the summer with signings. It was basically May United versus Harry Kane last night, Scott. Let's be honest. I can't remember one Tottenham player that played well yesterday. And that's the other side of it. You know, I kind of go, well, it wasn't that Eric Dyer was brilliant at centre-back. Wasn't he great? No, he couldn't run around at all. And he missed a sitter of a header to potentially win the game. United should not be giving those chances away. They should not be allowing teams like Spurs, who are in their lowest ebb at the moment, have an opportunity to go and win a football match.
3: Spurs at halftime. I'm going to give some credit to Spurs because Ryan Mason is very inexperienced, but he managed to trigger a reaction out of them. I think that is the thing. You said this, Spurs weren't very good. I don't think they were, but they tried and that is inevitably how they got in they got back into it because their effort levels in the second half they were on top they managed to thrust their way back into the game they were first to every ball and that's a reflection on united you know and that is that is something that erik ten hag has been saying game after game after game after game they have to give 100% at all times and he said last mm. night 90% is not enough and some mm-hmm. of these players are giving 90% uh, let me just uh, just veer away for a second before i come to, come back to this um subscribe wherever you get your pods uh, and watch us on YouTube twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Usually uh, we're heading into the final weeks of the season, seven Premier League games left for United plus the FA Cup final. Uh, we'll in the summer, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know what we're going to, end up doing rob but transfer season's coming um subscribe uh head over to our channel on youtube like subscribe leave a comment for us and leave a review as i said earlier on and follow us on the twitter as well underscore scott saunders underscore rob underscore b and at promise and mu for the show as well we really appreciate all of your support now where were we what was i going to say what did i want to do you Want do you want to pick up rob because i've lost my train of thought doing all those plugs <laughs> I, I, you just about
4: you, you're giving Spurs credit right and and I get that and you're saying Ryan Mason kind of picking them up and all that I, I, honestly I'm not going there I'm not going there this is about Man United if Tottenham doesn't matter how much effort they put in as I said I really cannot remember one Spurs player that played well bar Harry Kane Harry Kane was sensational in that second half and Harry Kane was the conductor of the band and controlled absolutely everything and you see that Tottenham Hotspur without Harry Kane are nothing like I know Sun gets the goal, but even that goal was a complete joke. That should not happen. Malassia's positioning is awful, Delos positioning is awful, and you you draw the game too, too, because of that. Yeah, Spurs ran around a bit and looked like they wanted it a bit more. But Man United, your quality has to shine in those moments, certainly early in the game. Why is it, Scott, that we're still talking about the same things late in games? It's not tiredness. It is about you play the game up here, I always say. And United you know just stopped playing the game I up have there. An
3: ans- I have an answer. Brainless. I have an answer for you. Okay. Eric Ten Hag has managed to get 10 years worth of poor signings performing to a better level. Completely. We were all saying this time last season, Yeah. all these players need to leave. They all need to go. Even Marcus Rashford has to go, was mm. something that some people were saying. Marcus, sell him. He's done. Yeah. He, just send him send him PSG. Guess 70 million for him. What Eric Ten Hag has done is he's take elevated those players up a level to something more kind of like what we expected out of those players when we signed them. Yeah. But Eric Ten Hag is working with a squad that has been constructed under Edward Wood's management for 10 mm. years. Mark, oh, I know you yeah, Most yeah, of those yeah. sign-ins. Harry Maguire can't get in the team. He cost eighty million. Yeah, like that was a very convenient excuse for Harry Maguire not playing last night. Was brilliant. Eric Ten Hag it? doesn't rate <laughs> training he, he, ground I, injury. I, I, I don't want to speculate, <laughs> but I don't think Eric Ten Hag rates Harry Maguire that highly, and they're trying to manage the situation. Yeah, yeah. Totally. He, he, there's a reason why he that st- barely started. A, he started like the amount of games he started is pretty probably count on two hands. Maybe a little yeah. bit more this season. Yeah. Now that's the thing that that is my comfort in a sense is because we all know that these players need to be shipped out. You can't sell them now. You have to use them somehow. The summer is very important. He got Mm -hmm. his first summer, probably 80%, right? Maybe. Um, And we, we did a show the other day. Uh, I don't know if you have checked it out yet. If you haven't, please do something more, a little bit more timeless for you than a preview review kind of thing. We did our, ideal summer transfer window ins and outs for man united in the summer we recorded that and dropped it on wednesday earlier this week so go back and listen to that if you haven't already uh, but this is the thing like a lot of these players we've already deemed not good enough <laughs> for man united so is there any reason to be surprised when they don't deliver what eric Hag wants
4: not at all now you like, I, I again i'm completely with you you know that i've kind of said this consistently for a long time i agree with those things you've just said um But my problem is is that I think in the moment that these kind of basket case players, I'll call them, their levels are so strange because one week (laughs) they can look really good and another week they don't look good. And we can no longer use the excuse, Scott, that they haven't been given the right tactics because that's what we used to say with Solskjaer. Oh, they haven't got the tactics. They're not acute enough. They can't do these things. Well, they've shown this year that they can do them to a certain standard and yes, natural turnover will say that several of them will go out the door and you'll buy another several players in and that will definitely heal some of these things and the process is solid we're not complaining here about the process I'm not complaining really about Ten Hag I'm complaining about in that moment of like when you watch Fred run around like a headless chicken and you wonder why and then you think well this is why the Boy's not getting in the team anymore because he was playing a lot more minutes, wasn't he, before? Malashia's played a lot of minutes this year, a lot of minutes for a left-back. Yeah, because of obviously Luke Shaw's issues early in the season, now Luke Shaw moving inside. Mm -hmm. Do you feel confident if we go into the Villa game, if through rotation, that Malashia starts at left-back? I don't. I straight away look at that and think you're going to get exposed. I think about Fred and I think you've got to somehow, Scott get over the fact that Ericsson's just come back and Ericsson's just going to have to play every minute. You're going to have to push it. And that is the problem because that's not what I would do in football terms. If I was a coach, I'd want to rotate. I'd want to give rest. I'd want to work with the sports science. But the eye test is telling us something different, Scott. It's saying some of these players are massively unreliable. And yes, you'll get rid of them in summer. But you know what, Scott? There's still six, seven, eight games to go here. I'm not even thinking about the cup final. The cup final was just like a... That is another day out at Wembley. I always call it that classically. And yes, we'll try and stop City winning everything. Great fun. Ha, ha, ha. But these games are important for the rest of the Premier League season. Man United should have beaten Spurs last night, no matter what Spurs did. No matter what Harry Kane did, one player they had Spurs, Harry Kane. The rest of them did pretty much nothing on the night. And Man United's 11 to so Harry Kane's 1-1 drew 2 all, and could have lost 3-2. Now, that's not acceptable to me. And I know the manager will be saying that away from the camera. I'm sure he's giving them a hard time today when they come back from training in the following day. There's not a lot of training happening at the moment. It's just literally rest, recovery, play. But this Villa's game coming up is a difficult one. And there are two or three players now at the end of the season where you're thinking, what's happening there? Like, we need to talk about Casemiro. Casemiro's performances after the suspension, he does not look like the same human being. I don't know what you think, Scott.
3: Weird. What's going isn't it? on? This what is, is going on? It's quite weird. Um, we were talking about Casemiro as, like, you know, the greatest uh, <laughs> just a few short months ago, because he, he has been for, for 10 years or for seven, seven years. Yeah. He's been probably the best defensive midfielder in the world. Um, we were made to eat our words earlier in the season when he was still that. I don't think there was any doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but. There is, Yeah, he looks a bit slow, doesn't he? Just does look a bit slow. And I think what we're... This is maybe part of the problem, right? Is, well, there was one moment last night where he tried to dribble out of his own half and somebody caught him up and dispossessed him. And I was like, what are you doing? It was very Constantly. Harry Maguire, that bit. Wasn't yeah, it, it was, it was. <laughs> um, but the way Eric Ten Hag wants to play is Casemiro is the six and then you have Bruno and Ericsson, You know, you you What do you call this? The four-one-five, right? Yeah, yeah. Now... Ericsson and Bruno don't... Bruno runs around. They don't really have any defensive nouse in no. their... Not a defensive bone in their body, really. Mm-hmm. That means Casemiro has to sweep everything up and cover a lot of ground. He's 30-31. He's never been the most mobile player. He's always relied on his head. And in the Premier League, with that amount of space, at that amount of intensity, inevitably, you're probably going to have to cover a lot more ground than you would in, say, Spain, for example, or in a measured yeah. Champions League game that isn't as frantic. Uh, but yeah, it's a concern. That's why I've always said you need another understudy to Ericsson who's a bit more defensively agile and also an understudy to Casemiro who is a lot younger and can run around. That is... Yes. Uh, they, they are two positions that you need to fill ultimately because you do see shortcomings in Casemiro. Let's be honest about it. You need Lavia. So
4: like, again, <laughs> last night, when when you're, you're thinking about changes, Scott, in games, you need a Lavia on your bench to come on who is... Physical, mobile, but just so good on the ball to come on and slow it all down and get you going in the right way. And the issue was at Man United just days that you took your best ball player off in Ericsson because you felt you had to, that's what it was, and you brought on your worst ball player in Fred. And and that showed straight away, like that. That was the killer that killed your chances of winning the football match. So these are things that will get sold over time. There's no doubt a transfer window. So, guys, if you haven't seen our um, our transfer special that we did only last week about who we would sign and who we think should come into football club, the spoiler there is Lavia. I think that in midfield, that's the kind of profile you need in there if you're going to get rid of a Fred and move someone else in. The Casemiro question... I think now kind of lends itself to the debate of what we were starting at the start of the season where we were saying, right, what's the issues here with this Casemiro signing? Because we know he's like, best defensive midfielder in the world. That's the tag that he carries around. Um, being amazing, won everything at Real Madrid. You know, intelligent footballer, great. But will we see the best of at Man United? And we, I think it's fair to say that pre-suspensions, he was brilliant. Like, he really, really was. Post-suspensions, it doesn't just look like a little bit of a loss of form his whole game physically mentally in impactfulness has decreased i can't measure it 50 60 70% he looks like a passenger now you can't you may not like can't win like that so that is a problem so i'm sure the manager is having a chat with casemiro today or tomorrow and say right what's going on cas tell me because this is not you and there is something there we don't think he's carrying an injury But we do think that coming off the back of this rest that he's been forced to have with his eight game suspension, something's broken. Something's not right. Yeah. And I think that actually then impacts someone like Fred. Fred comes on, looks more fraught and anxious because Casemiro, who was assured next to him only three, four, five months ago, is not assured. So that breaks your midfield, doesn't it? So these are things that you can't really fix in real time. But the manager has to deal with them. There's no doubt about it, because if you don't deal with them, you will lose matches. And that's what I worry about with Casemiro now. Is it that the season's just caught up with him, that in your 30s, in the Premier League, you you can very easily, in the Premier League, look really good for six months in your 30s, and then as you get to the final 10-game Scott, bang! And it happens at every football club, and I worry about that with Casemiro, which would say that exactly what you and me have said about the likes of Lavia, is that you must go and invest wisely in that midfield department.
3: Let's. uh, I'm going to step away from the game itself and just Mm -hmm. look at the wider context here, right? So, if you haven't checked this out before, let's look at the Premier League table. (laughs) Now, scares me. Yeah, so it it does scare you, and like, so Man United is United United have seven games left. They play Villa at home on Sunday. Brighton away, West Ham away next week, Thursday and Sunday. Then you have a final four Wolves home, Bournemouth away, Chelsea home, Fulham home. So, four or uh, three home games from the last four games. Uh, and this is it. So, United currently have a six point advantage in the top four race with two games in hand over Spurs and Aston Villa. The most amount of points that Spurs and Aston Villa can get if they win all their games is 69, right? Right. Liverpool. Have a game in hand on them two and are a point behind, yeah Liverpool's maximum is if I'm doing this right 71 points. that's the most they can get 71 mm-hmm. points. so United with from their remaining seven games need a maximum of oh, what 12 points. they need 12 points, so they need to win four out of seven. Mm-hmm. so I know you're a bit worried? you a bit worried, a bit worried? Mm-hmm. because I can I can easily see right? I can see I can see a draw on Sunday. I can see a draw at Brighton, maybe even worse. And West Ham can do it as well, you know. Yeah. They've they've beaten United at that at that stadium before. And they've beaten uh, I know they lost to Liverpool in the week, but they gave Arsenal a good fright the other week as well. So there's three games. I the way I can see this going is I'm not ultimately too worried about top four because I think there's enough of a cushion. And I tweeted this last night. United have um a cushion or like a margin for error. They should not have used that up last night. They, should, they really shouldn't have. But I think this is going to drag out. <laughs> we'll look at this. And they have to win on Sunday. If they win on Sunday, this is a, it's a big thing. It's a really big uh, step towards top four and sealing it. Because Liverpool play Spurs as well. And if neither team, or if Liverpool don't win that, I'll feel a lot more comfortable. Liverpool the team you've got to worry about. But yes. you need to, you need to win four. You need to take 12 points from seven games. That's not an awful ask. It's but. not an awful
4: ask. No, it's not an awful ask of a normal bunch of human beings who play football and do their jobs every week. We've just done half an hour that that's the problem. So, like, I, I, I'm with you on that. And I'm not, <clears throat> you know, I'm not massively concerned because I think of it again in pragmatic terms. Say, well, you've got to go do your job. If you do your job, you're in the top four now. You like, go do your job and do it. Look at what Newcastle are doing, Scott. Newcastle have not played anywhere near the amount of games that we've played. But I think when you look at the squad piece by piece, you know, the likes of Willock and Murphy that are giving them real kind of value in their running. Our quality of our players are better than theirs. And we're not getting that maybe rounded value maybe from the rest of the squad. So there is that. But I think the Liverpool question is a problem because I look at Liverpool and this is the time of year that Liverpool tend to kind of just do it. They just tend to, even when they've had a bad season, the final 10 games, they just get on with it and win their matches statistically Liverpool have the easiest running of any team so that is concerning because that I think will help their maybe fragile defence and keep the ball out of their net one thing or another Man United also statistically have a good running but it's the it's the it's the element of worry isn't it where you go and say well yeah we should beat that team like if you said four five six weeks ago well you got Villa in this running you'll beat Villa at home won't you not anymore, difficult like game now. it's difficult a really game. difficult game because Villa are doing their jobs. <laughs> Villa have found a way in a groove to perform every week and are getting consistency in the later part of the season. Yeah, Villa haven't played nearly as many games as Man United, and that is a factor. But you've, you've got to sometimes just sweep some of that away and just say, Do You know what, Fred? You haven't played a lot of minutes this week or last week, but Go out and do your job today and then you're all right. I'm gonna ask you.
0: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durban Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off, my
1: Rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
2: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense.
1: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window
5: instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify.
4: your job, you're all right. And that's what worries me, is that there's certain players in the Man United squad who believe 90% is good enough. I really do think that, is that there's a few of them. And I don't want to call them butlers, but I, I call them problems. They are definitely problems for a manager. So I feel for Eric Tenard, because I think he was trying to stage manager it against Spurs, and he was trying to do that for every game. Scott, these seven games are all cup finals. That is, I know, a cliche. complete, a complete <laughs> cliche that we're hearing football at the end of every season. But You've only got to look, even though Man City are a different club to Man United in terms of the depth of their squad and all of that, is that they spend their season getting ready for this part of the season. That's what a good team does. Man United almost feel like they're on an ice rink without any skates (laughs) at this point. They're like, oh, we're in this position and we didn't really know we would be. Oh, dear. But I still think you've got enough quality. I think that you just have to force this and you're going to have to force it. And you're going to have to say to Ericsson to play 90 minutes. Bruno obviously will carry on playing 90 minutes. Bruno didn't have an ankle last night and was really Mm. good. You know, like people say you don't give Bruno credit. I thought Bruno was brilliant last night, just in terms of his control. You just said it there. Casemiro, Bruno and um, Ericsson together. 18 games they've played together now, zero defeats. So that's good, isn't it? And you're going to have to somehow keep those three on a football pitch together for some of these 90 minutes and you're going to have to forsake the whole fatigue factor and just say, get through it, sit deeper if you have to, give yourself space, give yourself time. Ericsson being on the pitch yesterday, Scott, for the final for half an hour, I think means you win this game. It's kind of simple. As soon as you stop passing the ball, you start losing the game. And Spurs, for me, were not good enough to get a point last night, even though they almost, almost won it. We could be sat here today talking about Spurs winning 3-2
3: and how we should probably sign their striker. Just one more thing. Uh, well, I do want to talk about Harry Kane. Um, Brighton, I didn't mention them in the top mm. four pursuit. They can get a maximum of 73. Now, yeah. that would mean that United's total goes up, but Brighton do still have to play Man United. Arsenal away, Newcastle away, and Manchester City, and Aston Villa away. So, yeah. You, you find it difficult to, especially when they lost to Nottingham Forest the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, it, if you find it difficult to imagine them putting a perfect run of games together before the end of the season, so that's the wider context. But yeah, let's let's jump back to the game because I just mentioned I want to talk about Harry Kane. Are there any other players on the in wearing red that you want to talk about? And as have we done Malassia yet in depth?
4: No, I just think the only comments I, I have on Malassia are kind of the worries that I've had all season and we've spoken about them pretty regularly, I think. And again, I said to you off camera, I kind of think he's unplayable now. I've said that at times about Deloe I think you know earlier in the season when Delo came up from the World Cup, there was a real period of about six weeks where I thought he was completely unplayable. You couldn't have him on the pitch, defensively terrible, not doing anything going forward. Malassia uh, is coming on, isn't he? To, plug a hole because you've got Luke Shaw inside and you decided to pull Wan-Bissaka last night. But then that switch killed you, Delo going to the right against uh, Perisic. But Malassi's performance at left back for me, Scott, I think is troublesome. Like I look at this body of work in the year in year one. I don't like it. I don't, I don't look at him and think, yeah, do you know what? In another 12 months, you're going to be a viable starter. There are big problems in his game that, Don't fit the Premier League. You know, the transition, he gets caught, he sleeps. He runs around a lot, Scott, but it's headless chicken running again, like Fred. It doesn't really help you, does it, having energy? What helps is putting your foot on the ball, getting that chin up on a swivel and knowing what's going on around you. And he just looks like he's got blinkers, everything he does. So I think it's it's a problem. I don't want to see him start against Aston Villa because, again, Villa will take advantage of that in the wide areas. And if they get the ball in the middle, then to Ollie Watkins you're dead you're finished aren't you so you've got to cut that supply line off at source
3: yeah um important to remember, i'm just going down this route today i think malasia was a cheap pick for Eric ten hag and maybe it was a you know one of yeah. i called a lot of these players plasters last yeah. night yeah um bandages bandages yeah. short term fixes you know yeah. um malasia i think was bought with potential in mind Yes. Uh, in the hope that he could maybe develop. But if it turns out that he's not actually cut out for it, you, he's not had a great season, you know, but he's not going to be first choice anytime soon. And if he doesn't really improve going into next season, he's 24 next season. If he doesn't really improve, that's probably a, a position that you look to upgrade in the longer term again.
4: Yeah, like I I think they picked him up in the end for about 11, 12 million, wasn't it? And and when we looked at his kind of body of work in the area division, the stuff he'd been doing for two or three years, it looked like incredible value. But I think now we're seeing why it was 11 and 12 million, because that's the standard that he's at. He's a kind of 10 million pound fullback who in the Premier League gets exposed. So I, I think that's the problem is that this is not. We said we called him a development project before, and I think that might still stand. But he is so far off what you want when Harry Kane is sitting in the channel going, I'm going to eat this boy up. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make him look silly, and I'm going to score a goal or get my team to score a goal because of it. So you know, you got I, you effectively the slide against Sevilla over the two games. I think w- w- was done by Malacia's fecklessness and not being aware, and you lose that goal, and then that's the slide at the start of the slide. And I think United are a bit like that. It's like they need stability in certain positions. Well, obviously every position, but it's consistency as well. What you can do, Malacia gives you nothing on front foot, does he? I, I can't even remember seeing him cross a ball this year. You know, for Feyenoord, he was really good at inverting and playing into the channel. Not seen him do it once at Man United. Just looks stuck as a left back conventionally and scared of everyone that runs up to him and runs past him or makes mistakes. So a little bit worrying. And we said, I think in our other show for transfers, we said, oh, we probably wouldn't buy another fullback. And here we are about 10 minutes later. And I'm thinking, probably should buy a left back. <laughs> and so it changes so wildly. I mean, ultimately, if, if
3: you buy eight players in the summer, right, and just fix it all, but you have to, like, you're not going to do that in one summer. No,
4: not, not like that. Not in one big fail swoop. As you said, Malassia is definitely a kind of plaster signing where you just swell your squad a little bit and you go, well, you're, you're younger. It's not completely young, but you're younger and this is a good opportunity for you. And then you get the opportunity and uh, it reminds you of who was that fo- that fullback, the Austrian fullback we used to have, Alex Butner was it?
3: Alexander Butner, yeah. Yeah,
4: and, and he was a player like that. We we're saying, we were like Loads of upside, loads of upside. And he played for about 10 minutes. We were like, get him away from the football <laughs> team. Yeah, that is not the standard. And we don't even want to wait to hang around to see if he gets better because it's that bad. And I'm starting to feel like about Malassi. I don't want to be harsh on him. I know he's quite popular. People like him because he's he wears his heart he's out a trier, and there, right? he's, he's a trier, right? He's a trier. He's a try, trier. Yay, Tryers, tryers, get you eight. Yeah, that's it. Tries do not get you top four, don't win your titles.
3: Well, if you're a trier and you're coming into a squad that didn't try last season, you're immediately going to be judged quite nicely. And this is why I think maybe the Casemiro bit that we've been talking about is
4: more vital because whatever's going on with Casemiro, there does seem to be a mixture of can he do it or does he want to do it? There's there's an effort issue there. And if the effort's not there with Casemiro, for whatever reason, then do we expect Fred to rise above? Do we expect Molassi to rise above? Or are they going to take their lead from those kind of players? So that is a kind of more existential kind of way of looking at it. And I do feel that in matches. But at the end of the day, Scott, these players do have to just be better. Be a little bit better, be a little bit more consistent, help your manager, help Man United get top four, go on holiday. And it feels like one or two of them are already looking at that beach in the Seychelles somewhere. Um, And it's a little bit too early for that.
3: What's the place they go nowadays? It's uh, Mykonos, isn't it? <laughs> Bournemouth, That's, isn't it? Yeah, it's
4: quite sunny. That's yeah. where they go. Skegness, hey, somewhere. When, like I, when that. I
3: when I talk about plasters, the player I had in mind was Mister Vauti Veghorst, who came on and played in the ten, and just just to run around a bit, but has limitations. I know that you know, yeah. we've we've had plenty of discussions on Mister Veghorst uh, throughout the season. It didn't take me long to realise he wasn't up to the required standard. Everybody knows that, but at the same time and Hug didn't have any money in the in the in the January window and had to sign a player on loan. That's a plaster because you know it cost. It was a low cost deal. We can see the limitations. But on the other side, there was Harry Kane, who we have talked up for months on this show. We mm-hmm. knew that a transfer pursuit would come. Whether it succeeds or whether I, I don't like, I'll, I'll say this now: I don't want United to spend the entire summer trying to sign Harry Kane, even though he's my preferred option for United mm-hmm. to sign. If it gets to july latest stop if they if they're messing you around just look look elsewhere because ultimately the most important thing is for the pre-season tour have someone in that you really need to in that position however what i will say if you put harry kane in that man united team last night united win 5-0 easy because you see exactly what harry kane did to man united United had overloaded 10 Hag of this. United had an overload in midfield uh, throughout the first half and that's why they were so good in midfield because it was a 2v3. And if you add Harry Kane into that mix, he was dropping in deep. Players were running off him. He was running the channel behind Malacia, all of this kind of thing. United had Anthony Martial who turns up when he wants to. Let's let's be honest. We we've had him 7 years. We know that by now. United had Anthony Martial Marcus Rashford was okay through the middle last night. I thought he linked up quite well, but obviously that's not his best position. If you put Harry Kane in that United team last night, they score a hell of a lot more goals than they did. And I think that is the difference. You saw exactly what Harry Kane can add to a team last night because he did it to Man United.
4: He did it in a Spurs team that are just shocking and are awful. Like they are so poor, this Spurs team. They are very lucky to even be in the top four conversation. They are playing like a team around crystal palace area yeah of the table that's the kind of standard at the moment you know below mid table and i think we look at besides you look at harry kane like we've talked just on half an hour and loads of extra content over like the whole whole kind of last year about our man united what they need to get better and if you put harry kane with this bunch of dysfunctional man united players I think you're in a title race. Like, you don't even really need to do a lot more stuff. You still do, of course. You need to buy midfielders. You need to buy fullbacks. You need to buy defenders. You need to look at that stuff. You can talk about De Gea to you're blue in the face. Again, De Gea makes one or two real big vital saves last night. You, you, but you look at the wider picture, and Harry Kane, in that last half an hour, was a complete Rolls-Royce in a kind of football picture Fiat Pandas. That's what he was. And and you completely see how he shines in certain elements of the game. And he doesn't even really need to break a sweat, Scott. He just knows what he's doing. It's, it's, incredible knowledge of football, what he needs to do as a number nine floating out of the nine. So United need that. You need that. You said about Antti Martial, what well, I will say, I will defend Martial on that count. Because I think the problem was, that as soon as you took the ball playing off the football pitch for the last half an hour, I don't know what your number nine is supposed to do. No, like, then you, point, then you bring Vegels <laughs> on for 20 minutes. Actually, I was confused by that with Ten Hag. He brings Vegos on. We know what it is. You call Vegos the plaster. I call him a staple gun. Because when you put a staple gun into a cut, it hurts, Yeah. And and Vegel's yeah, hurt you last night. Yeah, <laughs> Vegel's really hurt you last night. And if he comes on, he's like, you saw him, he gets the ball, and he's at left back looking after Molassi, and you're like, hang on, that's not right. That shouldn't be like that. He's running back, slide tackling, trying to get trying to get the ball, and you're like, no, that's not right either. But I do think that Ten Hag gave that away yesterday, and I think the likes of Vegas, you have to use them in the right moments, in the right capacity. So I think Vegel's at the top of the press would have been better in this situation, But Martial got no supply at all. And and when he doesn't get supply, he looks rubbish. Looks like he can't help you. Rashford, I think, last 20 minutes of the game, just no supply line, running down the wing, getting caught. What are you supposed to do? There's no help behind you. So those things all still apply, don't they? And I think when you look at Harry Kane, he is just the ultimate cheat code for this Man United squad. You know, if you put him in today, this Man United team cruises to top four. Like, you know, we talk about, will they do it against these seven games? I think if you had Harry Kane, you'd probably win six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you win six and you go on holiday to Benidorm and you're happy and everyone's okay. But I th- I just think with, with Harry Kane now, like, what do we know about Harry Kane? So let's just finish that segment. Harry Kane is now very much aware of Manchester United's interest. Manchester United have made that interest known. Harry Kane's been advised to stay at Tottenham Hotspur by his people and to see out his deal. That does not mean Harry Kane will do that. So we're kind of at that. I think part of the season where everyone just wants to see how things play out. So we get to a transfer window and then Harry Kane's ambition will be questioned. So he will either stay for this new version of the Tottenham project, sign a new contract. and I don't think people might deride him of that, but I do think he wants to win trophies. I do think he wants to stay in England and that means he's got two clubs to choose from. Yeah. And that's probably about it as it stands, who can afford him. Go get him. Eric Ten Hag. Eric said in the week, he really kind of played up what he thought of Kane. Did you hear those comments? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You know he <laughs> likes Kane. He thinks he's brilliant. He also talked about his leadership. So he talks about you know this guy, this guy knows what. To I, do. D- I did
3: on that. I did see a, a thread of uh, Tottenham's mess over the last few years, and they put like one of the snippets from the documentary, and where Harry Kane's. Uh, I, you know? I
4: think the things with Harry Kane, and the most important thing with Harry Kane, and say taking that form of leadership away is that he leads by example. And that's what I want for players. Like Harry Kane's performances generally every week are eight out of 10 and he hits nines and tens quite regularly. So that's what I'm buying into that, that bit of Kane is that he can do that for you. And you'll never have to think about striker ever again. Like you just won't, he will do what you want to do over that period of time. And then you can have a Martial coming off the bench, 20, 30 minutes and doing a little bit of extra work and that then fixes things. But, I still think Harry Kane, that performance shows last night, that he still sits for me in that 80 to 90 million pound bracket, even with one year on his contract. A lot of value in that. A lot of value to Manchester United as a quick fix. And he's the ultimate plaster. Like, he is the bandage. He is the plaster of Paris when you break your arm. He's that guy that can make you go from here. And suddenly you're just not worried about a lot of this stuff anymore, Scott. You just go, actually, I'm all right to run with Kane. I think as long as he stays fit, he's that kind of play that you need. But look at it. Look at look at um Son. Right, Look how far Son has fallen off. They scored last night, but Son was useless in that game last night. Absolutely useless. He scored the goal, but it's Kane that takes you to the result. It's not Son. And after Kane and Son, there's a massive gap in quality at Tottenham. Tottenham are irrelevant without Harry Kane. And I think Daniel Levy knows this. And this is why they'll be really hard in the sale of Harry Kane. And I think they might even try and keep him for a year and lose him on a free, which would be crazy. But oh, yeah, I, think it's they, crazy. I think they see that. I think they think next year if we lose Kane. We don't have enough money to buy those goals or that leadership. So do we keep him for a year, tie him, don't sell him. And then unfortunately let him go on a free and then do Man United wait a year? No, Man United can't wait a year for a striker. You need to go and get a striker this summer.
3: Well, he would probably still have the pick of any Premier League club. I'd even put Man City back in that mix. Then you know, but it's if you wait, if yeah, you're picking him up on a free and he's standing to make a massive signing on fee because you'd have to pay a transfer fee to the club. I think completely every every club in the Premier League would take him, even if they had a striker. And I think then, I then think-
4: Liverpool become an option again. Like this is this is the yeah. thing. Like you know, if you, if you are a free agent, it is very different. And that hundred million pound fee is a sticking point. So there's only a few clubs that can do that. But it's also what Harry Kane wants. If Harry Kane really wants to be successful, and the challenge to him is that, Scott, if you want to go do it, go do it now. Go do it this summer. You're not getting any younger. Go sign for a club that maybe you can help go to the next level. And that club
3: is Manchester United. Just on the subject of plasters, I had a plaster on the other day Uh, Mm. and it was on for a little bit too long, and it actually, you know, kind of like it's not great, like it's not a staple gun. But if you take a plaster off, sometimes it can stick to your skin, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, anyway, uh, that is what I would summarize about Verkhorst as you call him a staple gun, I call him a plaster, yeah. But uh, they do have to plaster over the duration of the rest of their season. Aston Villa, are next, Mm -hmm. we've already touched on it a little bit, but. Difficult one. Really difficult. Really difficult game.
4: Villa have been great in this run in the season. Unai Emery, incredible credit to him. He's a, a really good example of where you can take a really good manager and take a really bad situation and spin it over a number of weeks and just get people doing the right things. This Villa team is no different. They're not signed anyone, have they? It's the same Villa team, essentially. But the Villa team under Stephen Gerrard, you know, over to the Villa team now... Same people, but look loads better. And we've just said that about Eric Ten Hag, haven't we? Eric Ten Hag's taken a dysfunctional 10 years of Woodward signings and made them top four contenders and won a trophy already and gets you to an FA Cup final. You know, Emre's done a kind of equivalent job, I think, at Aston Villa. And they still look like they're on the afterburners. Like when you watch them, they would definitely drop points at some point, no doubt, because they also have that dysfunction and weaknesses. But they can turn up Old Trafford and win. And I do believe that. I, I think that they they've got enough and the impetus is there. Like even Villa fans are like buoyant now. They've gone from being completely depressed to like, oh my God, we are we're in the Europe picture here. This is fantastic. And I always think of Villa as a much bigger club than maybe some people give them credit. Like I think they're a big club who have big aspirations and a lot of money. I think Uno Emery was an a stellar pick. Like that's where changing your manager can have incredible value. Um, because Uno Emery's better than Steven Gerrard. Mm. Well, obviously. you know, it's like Chelsea. Like, just so, like, this is this is off a tangent, but it's like Chelsea, isn't it? You know, is Frank Lampard better than Potter? No. So why are you doing that? So like Emery to like Gerard to Emery makes complete sense to me, like tactically, technically, with experience and all of that. Going from there to get worse does not make any sense to me. Like, what are you doing? So there is always that thing, isn't there in football, about how these these things just unfold themselves, and a lot of it is on the board. You know, I think a lot of things going on at Tottenham Hotspur are on Daniel Levy. So, you know, it's the same way as they are at Man United, have been on
3: the Glazers for 10 years. It's funny that actually, because I was just I was thinking this morning about Villa and Spurs. They're on the same points, same games, same win record, draw record, loss record. Yeah. Two goal difference of two separates them. Mm. They're in the same, you know, especially if Spurs lose Kane, they're in the same tier in the Premier League. Now, Tottenham have been punching above their weight for a while. They're yeah. at risk of dropping to 6th, 7th, like, you know, they're 5th and 6th at the moment, but Liverpool will go above them if they win their next game. You know, difficult game for United against Aston Villa. Uh, we'll see. United have not lost the game. I'm not going to say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that record you know that record right so it's <laughs> you know it's, it's one of the good points of the season has been that so far so Touchwood, wood uh, that can continue uh and final... they do bounce back from poorer performances so do, like, I, yeah.
4: I think that they will look at the tottenham uh, performance and they will go home and go ouch another plaster please stick it on here somewhere and keep going because th- that's one thing they have proven is that they can analyze a poor performance or maybe a disappointing performance and then rise above the next game. So that's the perfect exa- uh, perfect opportunity with Villa, isn't it? Because if you put Villa back in their places and get win that game and also win it maybe quite well, you suddenly feel loads better about all this, don't
3: you? Yeah, uh, we'll wrap up shortly. <clears throat> We're not going to do too much on the ownership situation. However, on Friday, it is 10pm tonight, UK time. That is the final deadline. Deadline. Uh, if you're watching, I'm doing quotation marks on my fingers. Deadline uh, for submitted bids. There won't be another process after this. The suggestions are that, you know, after this, a preferred bidder will come out pretty soon, if there is to be one. Hmm. There's been developments over the last few days. We're not going to speak on them unless you unless you want to, Rob. <laughs> We're not going to speak on them now. We'll just wait and see how it unfolds. And maybe on Tuesday's show, we'll look at the wider picture. A little we bit will more. do.
4: We'll do it in future shows because we we kind of have an idea about how it's going to go and what's what's going to happen, but I think it is wise to wait, see a little bit more of the detail, and then maybe
3: we can give our kind of professional opinions on some of these matters. Yeah, that's it for us today. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Please get your comments in. Please get your reviews in. Uh, They've been very nice over recent days. Uh, Go on Apple Pods if you use Apple Pods and Give us a five-star review and a nice comment. Go to YouTube. Give us a nice comment and a like on the stream so we can keep getting uh, reaching out to other people. Share us on Twitter as well. We we see uh, some of you who say that you love the show, which is very nice. This is very nice for us to hear. And Uh, yes. Share, please. Yeah. Above Unchartable, which is a
4: podcast uh, uh, chart, which I'm sure many of you are aware of, we're now above the official Manchester United podcast. So I think that's quite good as a Manchester United podcast ourselves to be above the one that is made with millions of pounds and backing (laughs) and all of that extra shiny stuff that we're actually above them in the league table now. So I think that's really good. And we can only thank all of you guys for that because it's you people that listen, that share, that comment and all of that. And that's what we need as as a podcast to kind of do our little bit. We talk about Manchester United every week. And we are really, really glad that so many of you are enjoying our content, and we hope to continue for a long time to come.
3: We'll be back on Tuesday. Man United play Aston Villa on that Sunday afternoon. Liverpool also play Spurs. So if Liverpool and Spurs draw, that will really make things a lot easier for United. But the way things are going, you'd expect Liverpool to win that game.
4: But maybe they will Spurs... drop points. That some teams will drop points. That's the that's the other saving grace. Scott, like they also have dysfunctions and problems. Like. We don't talk about that too much. Uh, Liverpool is a worry for me because I just, I just, oh, I don't know. Wouldn't it be a sickness to like go into say the final game of the season and we have to win and they have to win. And if they win, they go above
3: us. That would be. So that long, would be it's, we've used the word bottle in today. Catastrophic. You know, right? Let's just say if money United don't get top four from you, it is a bottle job. Completely. I'm happy to admit that. But it's a big ask even for this slot <laughs> uh, to manage that.
4: If you lose top four to Liverpool, we will be doing seven hour long podcasts of outpourings and tears from two guys who are relatively moderate about football. (laughs) <laughs> yeah things will not be moderate at that point uh, yeah I'm worried yeah. about Salah I'm worried about that I think their front line's just starting to pop a little bit and they just seem to they just seem to be scoring goals again a little bit more freely they're still not perfect Liverpool they don't deserve top four we are better than them in that context but they did beat a 7-0 can you imagine if like you lose on goal difference like or something like that after that and then you look back at that 7-0 at Anfield and you're like mm, that was a, sw- a swing of 14 goals <laughs>
3: crazy stuff we don't want to talk about that we don't want to talk about that we'll be back tuesday uh like subscribe leave a comment for us on youtube leave us a review uh five stars on all your audio platforms wherever it is thanks for listening thanks for watching if you're watching uh and follow us on twitter at underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore being at promise and mu for the show don't be too downhearted about (laughs) dropping points to tottenham It's the long game that they're playing. Have a little bit of faith that Eric Ten Hag knows what he's doing because it's nice to have a manager for once who has a long-term plan and recognizes the issues that you recognize yourself. So let's give him the trust that he deserves and let's see if the wider picture around the club can enable him to act on the trust that he has and enable him to change things because... You might know, need to get back to the promised land or oh, what, a, what a segue. You might know, need to get back to the promised land and there's one man who can do it. It seems like Hag knows what he's doing. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon for another promised land pod. Cheers, Rob. Thanks, everyone. See you soon
1: Done.